Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We come off of a week in which Wichita State only played one game. That was at Tulsa on Saturday evening. And it was a knockdown, dragout battle throughout, a defensive struggle, and at the end, a heartbreaking loss for the Shockers as Elijah Joyner hit an off-balance 20-plus foot buzzer beater three-pointer to give Tulsa a 54-51 win. So we'll be talking about that with Coach Marshall and talk about the week ahead because the Shockers, with two games this week, take on... Two teams that are both 7-2 and two in the conference, the Shockers at 5-3. and three. So a very difficult week, but also a week of opportunity. Coach Marshall is here. Coach, when you, you go back and look at a video like the one with Tulsa from Saturday, was it one of those games where as a coach and you're looking at it, you see about a jillion individual plays in a game like that that could have turned things one way or the other? Yeah, you, you know, Mike, you, uh, you tell the guys – throughout the course of the training in the summer, all the way in the fall. A lot of games come down to one possession. In this particular case, I mean, we had, we had the one possession where we could have possibly won the game. Then they had the miraculous possession where he had an unbelievable shot. But all of the plays throughout the course of the 39 minutes and 59 seconds prior to that, all could have swayed the game one way or the other so very very thorough and in-depth scouting report I mean uh, video session today and hopefully you know we got their attention a little bit that you know we can't make shooting the basketball is one thing we're in a shooting slump we're not shooting the ball well but we've got to execute better we've got to communicate better in defensive transition. We gave them two wide open looks, which they buried because we didn't communicate and and have an urgency in our defensive transition. Um, We have to get the ball inside more. We we can't look off Jaime Ichinike uh, and and, and just continue to go side to side. We need to get it in. Um, So all of those things, we had a great practice. We just, I just came from a really, really good practice. Unfortunately, we don't, we don't play as well when the lights are bright as we practice. And that's what we're going to have to do. And I asked them, I made that point today in, in the end of practice. And they go, well, you know, we, we know each other so well and, and this and that. I go, well, that doesn't make any sense. I'll, I'll make sure to introduce you to Trey Scott <laughs> before the game. And Jerron Cumberland. Hey, Dexter Dennis, this is Jerron. Uh, so, I mean... Uh, Anyway, we had a good practice, um, tough defeat, one that was hard to swallow. um, But, you know, as as poorly as we shot the basketball, we still had a chance to win that game and maybe should have won that game. And you got to give credit to Joyner, who made just an unbelievable, not just that play, he made some other really, really fine plays in the course of the game. A lot of things we can go on from there. Let's start with... uh, you had a couple of stretches at three and a half minutes in the first half where you didn't score. Uh, 
what, four minutes into the second half without scoring, had one basket in nine minutes in the second half, and yet you were ahead most of the game, which, which says a little bit about your defense. Yeah, think. we were defending well. I thought Jamie especially was doing a great job on Igbanu with a little help from Mo and, and uh, Asbjorn. Um, we did a great job on Rochelle, their leading scorer. He scored one basket in ten attempts. Uh, we did a very good job on Horn, other than losing him in transition early in the first half where he made the three in front of our bench, and then we lost him at, uh, at the basket one time. He got a layup. But besides those two, I, don't, I think we did a great job on him. Uh, but, but the guard, Joyner, just went off. And I think I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not exactly sure, but I think he was something like two for 17 in league play from three. Two for 17, was that correct? 28% all year and two for 14 in the two previous seven Two for 14 in games. the previous seven league games, and he goes five for six, including a double pump runner at the buzzer. So kudos to him, man. He played a great game. And I was going to ask you, I mean, you're in a crazy profession anyway, and people should know that nobody spends more time looking at video and preparing and breaking down the other team than you and your staff do. And so you, you look at them and what they've done and how to prepare for them. And as you said, you did a great job on Rochelle. You did a great job on Horn. Really a very good job on Igbanu. And here's a guy averaging seven points per game that has never had a shooting game like that and goes five for six. In a way, that's just got to drive you nuts, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I read the paper this morning, and uh, we he, there was a – article on him and which I thought was unusual for a Wichita paper but when I read it it made sense um, uh, he had a very estranged relationship with his dad and it, I think this was the first time his dad has seen him play college basketball and for whatever reason they're trying to mend their relationship and he's been distant and he's been raised by his mom and his stepdad but his real dad was not only there so our timing was awful to play at Tulsa on the day his dad was there. But he was on the court celebrating with the kid, and the kid was sobbing after the game. So obviously he had extra motivation, you know, that's just not normal. And he, you know, he fulfilled, I guess, a dream come true to have a great game in front of his dad. And that's one of the things that you can never prepare for or have any idea about. Uh, emotion can certainly play a part in sports, and, and maybe especially with young people this age as opposed to older professionals. And so who knows? It was just one of those kind of days for him. You know, he had to play, um, and, I, and we can get off on talking about Joyner after this comment, hopefully. <laughs> but... Um, he had the play where he chased down Eric Stevenson in the first half. Eric had gotten a steal going in for the layup, and he comes storming in there and showed some incredible athleticism and basically spiked Eric's layup attempt, um, which was a big play. I mean, when you, <laughs> that's just another big play in the grand scheme of things. In, in looking at the game and, and a couple of guys that I wanted to mention, you know, it was a game I thought where both teams played really hard. You had a couple of individual plays that I thought showed exceptional effort. Jamie gets caught up in a screen, knocked down, gets up off the floor, and blocks a dunk attempt by Igbanu. Yeah, uh, you know, we have the, the award that we give for guys making those type extraordinary effort, toughness, uh, resiliency uh, not it's not about scoring even though he was our leading scorer it's about rebounding taking charges all of those things running down loose balls 
the play that you mentioned, uh, falling down, getting up and blocking a dunk at the very last second. I mean, so I gave out our JYD today more than likely for the first time in 22 years as a head coach when we lost the game. You know, I'm, I'm just normally not in a, a mood to give it out, but I wanted to make sure that the other players understood of the, of the fine game that he had and the effort that he was putting forth as our only senior. And I followed that up by saying, the kid needs some help. And, and it's, as you said, it's not about numbers. He had 15 points and 10 rebounds, but he blocked three shots. He got credit for two steals. He was getting around in the post and deflecting passes into the post, took at least two charges from Igbanu and I think one from somebody else in the game. That's why he got the JYD in a losing effort. You know, the other play I wanted to mention, and as it turned out, unfortunately, it didn't work out for a, a game-winning basket, but the offensive rebound that Jamarius Burton got to give you that last possession was not only an athletic play, but a big-time hustle play. He was surrounded by Tulsa players and came yeah, down Yeah, it was with a it. great rebound, gave us the opportunity to what I thought would be the last shot. There was a 3.3-second differential. But if you get the ball on the backboard – and touch it or it goes in, you know, there'll, there'll be less than 3.3 because we told him at five seconds we want you starting to make your move. But what happened was he goes to that spin move and Jackson comes off of Dexter Dennis who had been on the baseline and we told those big guys down underneath, he and Jamie, to loop around underneath on the baseline side so that you have offensive rebounding position in case he misses. So – if he gets it on the backboard or the rim, they don't even get another shot, more than likely. So, unless he scores and the clock stops. Um, but obviously that didn't happen. And that was something I was going to ask you. It was almost right in front of me, but I couldn't tell if he just fumbled the ball or if somebody did poke it away on that. He play. did a spin move, and Jackson made a great play. Jackson had a several great plays. He had the lob dunk. Um, uh, he just he can't shoot really, but man, he he affects the game without scoring, and that was a big time defensive play that he made, just kind of reading JB's move, and he left Dexter, and and then JB tried after it was deflected, JB tried to throw it into Dexter, and Dexter's not going to score right around the basket like that, so that wasn't the 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 play, but once the ball was loose, it was loose, and he couldn't get it back up in the, on the backboard. And I just wanted to mention, and then we'll get away from this, but it was a, a well-designed play, as Bob pointed out. Jamarius actually had three big baskets kind of down the stretch and had really started playing well. He had the chance to maybe score or to make a play. He had shooters in each corner, and then the two guys underneath had dumped down to Jamie or a couple of guys who could go to the offensive That's, that's why I went with him. He Three times in the second half, late in the second half, he had scored inside the arc. The last one was a good drive. Um, he had made a pull-up jumper in the right corner, and he made another pull-up jumper, I think, at the elbow. Um, so you know, I could have given it to Grant, could have given it to him. I elected to go with him. Bad mistake on my part. Maybe. It's just uh, it's the way things work out. We'll be back with Shocker head coach Greg Marshall as we continue from AJ Sports Grill at the end. Welcome back to the Greg Marshall Show from AJ Sports Grill at the Alley. Again, the Shockers home for one, on the road for one this week. Cincinnati will be here Thursday evening. The Shockers at Houston 
on Sunday afternoon. As you would have expected, the Shockers did drop out of the top 25 today, but not by much. They are 29th in the voting in the coaches' poll and 31st in the AP voting. Tulsa the flip-flop. Tulsa's 29 and 31, and Houston, number 25 in both polls this week. And the Shockers uh, in the 30s, upper 30s in both the NCAA net and Ken Pomeroy's uh, evaluation, so still solidly in a, an NCAA at-large position. But, of course, uh, we, have, we have talked about this. This is a stage of the season with the schedule you're playing that those things you talked about that have got to get better need to start happening right now. Yeah, yeah we don't have much room for error with these, these games we've got now. The next, um, well, we've got Cincinnati coming in. Uh, they've never lost in Coke Arena. They're 2-0 and in my, since I've been there. I don't know. Maybe they may have lost in Levin Arena. but um, Not often. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then uh, we have to go to Houston. And then we go to Central Florida, which gave us a, a, a nice game the other night. And I, don't, I think we're home after that. I don't For know. For a couple, who. yeah. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned getting better at execution. But overall, how was your execution in the Tulsa game, given that they've been playing very well defensively? And it was kind of a unique defense that you were facing. Well, they, they try to take you out of your sets by doing that two-thirds court, uh, one-two-two, two, uh, and, and they, they did a good job of that. Uh, we, we didn't get a chance to run a whole lot of set pieces to begin the set. To begin, we just went right into our breakdown, which is either a ball screen or motion. And um, their, their zone, we were very effective in the first half, I thought. In the second half, we started out, I think, Mike, the first couple of possessions, we may have had five, because we got several offensive rebounds, we may have had five wide-open looks. And uh, I'm talking no one within five to ten feet of these kids, and, and we didn't make the shot. So I think that at that point we started to press a little bit. They did a much better job in the second half of not letting us enter the ball to Ichinike, but we still could have thrown it into him uh, several times. I'm going to say three, maybe more. Uh, during the second half, which we did not throw it in for whatever reason. Um, so we've got to do a better job of that. And, you know, it's first time Trey Wade has been with us and we've seen a predominant zone team. And he, he didn't execute very well. He was kind of in the high post, but he wasn't getting the ball and he wasn't stepping out and setting a high ball screen. And so when he was just loitering around the foul line, it made it hard for us to penetrate. So we talked about that today, and you know, we've got to just clean that up and, and get somebody in, the, in that high post that can get the ball and, and make a pass. They don't have to make a shot, but they've got to draw the defense in and make a pass. So JB, maybe, maybe even Eric, with the way he's shooting it, put him in there, and then he can kick it out to others. And we talked about a couple of the games, Temple and Houston, where you didn't shoot it very well, that the biggest issue was just offensive execution and, and not – running the offense well enough. Do you feel like since then that at least they've been getting closer to executing the way you want to and in, in a couple of cases just haven't made as many shots as you, you normally might given the execution? Well, I, I'm, I'm a little uh, perplexed at, at why we're not shooting the basketball better because I see us shoot the ball in practice and we shot it great today in practice. And... Um, I, I watch these guys, and I've seen them shoot the ball well. And now the ones, especially the wide open ones, you know, that's those are the ones that are kind of 
But you, but I know they're trying to make them, so you don't you don't try to make it a big deal. It's not like they're trying to miss the shots. I know that they're trying to make them. I think one of the factors is is that line moving out and and the numbers. I mean, we're shooting right under thirty percent now from three in league play, but our opponents are shooting under thirty percent also. So it's just that that full foot or whatever it was, fourteen inches is a, is a big difference for some of these kids. And you kind of answered my next question about uh, it's kind of a, a fine line to walk. You want to encourage them to take extra shots and, and work on their shot and so forth, but you don't, as you said, want to make too big a deal out of it or where it becomes just more of a mental thing. Yeah, and um, I, I think it is mental at this point. And honestly, um, we, we did a lot of shooting today. We, we didn't practice uh, uh, combat or man-on-man live basketball we did that a little to guard Cincinnati and to try to attack Cincinnati's pressure that we're going to see which is very good but we shot and we shot and we ran and we moved and we shot and and trying to simulate game shots probably more than any time um, all year other than when we just do nothing but skill work and certainly uh as you said, we've all seen that these guys are better shooters than what they've shown lately. And you see it every day in practice, but I mean, you can see it warming up and everything else. But, and even this season in games, up until the last couple of weeks, two and a half weeks, the shooting has certainly been better than it's been lately. Yeah, it's just, I, I don't know how to explain it anymore. Could we talk about something else? <laughs> sure, I'd be glad to. You know, one of the things also that, uh, that was a positive that may not seem like it so much. You were you were plus one on the boards, which doesn't seem like a big deal. But Tulsa in its five wins had averaged almost 11 rebounds a game more than its opponents, and that's something that the last three games has picked up a little bit again as you're rebounding. Yeah, and, and we got, you know, that's what I told them today. Hey, you're playing hard, you're defending well, but you're going to have to do more. You're going to have to be even better. You're going to have to be even more gnarly. You're going to have to be even more gritty. You're going to have to not foul quite as much. You're going to have to do even more until the ball starts going through the basket. And is, you know, we, we kind of take this for granted, I'm afraid, after last year's team improved so much and gained some experience, but you still have some guys that have not played in this program before and several others that certainly have gotten better but have only played one year. And, and is that a little bit of a thing right now is just still reaching that level of understanding about some of these so-called little things with this Right. Team? Yeah, we're... I don't know, what did you say, 29th in the country? We're, you know, 17 and 4, uh, and we're 10 freshmen and sophomores. So, you know, we're good. We're pretty good. That's what I've been saying. We're pretty good, but we, we're not great. We've got we've to improve to become great. And I would mention also your seventh in the Ken Pomeroy overall defensive uh, adjustment, uh, defensive efficiency, and, uh, and a lot of other numbers, your field goal percentage defense, scoring numbers, and so forth, are, are very good, certainly far better than where you were at this point a year ago. Yeah, we're going to have to just score the ball better. We have to take better shots, execute better, make the ones that are open, uh, get in the lane better, pass it into the post better. So that's what we're going to have to do. And you mentioned a very good practice today. I was not at practice the day before, but Bob was there and said that was a very good practice. And so the spirits are good. I know they're listening. It, it, and that has to be uh, a little bit uh, questioning in your mind is that uh, they've practiced so well and they're listening and sometimes it's just not quite carrying over. Yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, you know, they're, everything's good. And, and we, you know, we 
coached them. We told them the truth today. We showed them the video. Uh, and as long as you know, they're respectful with their responses and, and uh, don't, don't cop an attitude, we'll get, we'll get through this. And, and we did that pretty well today. And they responded with a very good practice. Right, we'll be back with Coach Greg Marshall from AJ's Sports Grill at the Alley in our Monday Night Coaches Show. Welcome back to the Greg Marshall Show. And if you did not glance at the uh, standings in the American Athletic Conference, it is Tulsa now alone in first at 7-1, and one, Cincinnati and Houston 7-2, and two, SMU 6-3, and three, and the Shockers in Memphis 5-3. and three. So those teams closely bunched near the top and then everyone else with at least six losses. So starting to get some separation in the league a little bit. Unfortunately, that doesn't mean that those teams that are down in that second half aren't uh, capable of beating anyone in the top half on a given night no it's a pretty balanced league this year um the the, the teams at the bottom have a little more bite uh, i don't think the teams at the top are quite as good as they were maybe two years ago and last year but um our remaining schedule of the last 10 regular season games which is all we have we have um six against the top four and four against the bottom six so we're gonna we're we're playing the top half the rest of the rest of the time it seems i had a question from one of our attendees you mentioned trying to simulate game conditions today with shooting and just the way the players were moving the speed of it and so forth uh do you ever or have you ever uh worked on free throw shooting where you've done things created noise and uh in the situation so it's a little more like say a hostile crowd as players are shooting free throws no we don't do the the noise uh we do pressure free throws every practice and uh, basically we run them we do something that with some conditioning drill shooting drill where they're up and down and, and winded and at the very end of that we go right to the foul line and they have to make um, a couple things we do number one at the end of practice we do three one-and-ones and if you three three straight guys have to go up and make one-and-ones if they miss the first shot of the one-and-one it's a it's a four it's a sprint four times the length of the court if they miss the second one they have to sprint twice and they still have to go and make the one-and-one again so they continually have to make the after running um, but then another thing that we do is we put them in groups of two or three and we say, okay, you need to make 10 in a row individually to get out. You shoot two and rotate, or you have to make 10 in a row as a group. The whole group gets out. So usually I put a good shooter, an average shooter, and a poor shooter in each group. So they could be there a while. You know, that poor shooter, if he, if he, if he doesn't get the 10 in a row as a group and he's left by himself, he's got to make 10 in a row individually, sometimes they're there for a while. So that's pressure in and of itself. Um, so those are the, the, the two that we do most of the time, but I don't pump any music in or get the cheerleaders out or have the students, you know, flipping us off or anything like that. <laughs> well, and certainly with what you just mentioned, uh, you not only add some pressure to the situation, but you uh, put in the element a little bit with the running and so forth that they're liable to be a little more tired as you could be Absolutely. in a, a big game situation. Yeah, you start missing. You, you miss the first one, and everybody has to run a four and then you have to go to the line and do it again. That first guy, three guys have to make them. So it can get to, to be very tiresome. 
You know, I was going to ask you, uh, we talked a little bit earlier in the season. Certainly uh, a couple of your returning guys had, had kind of stepped forward, uh, showing some leadership. And, and do you still feel good? Because when you go through adversity, some of those things get tested a little bit. And do you still feel good about having some leadership within the team that are, that's helping you within the group? Right? I, I do. I do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's different guys. Uh, today uh, it was Dexter Dennis at the end of practice. Uh, you know, he, he stepped up and, and, and he said, you know, last year it, we took too long to fix what we were doing incorrectly. And we were relegated to the NIT and we made our run in the NIT, but we don't need to wait this year. You know, let's not wait and, and, and lose the opportunity to play in the bigger tournament. All right. We will continue with Coach Marshall from AJ Sports Grill at the Alley on our weekly coaching show. Welcome back to the Greg Marshall Show. If you weren't with us earlier, just repeating, when the polls came out today, the Shockers out of the top 25, but they are 29th in the voting in the coaches' poll, tied for 31st in AP, so not very far out of the top 25. And Ken Pomeroy, they're 39 in the NCAA net, 37, and uh, continue to be projected as an at-large team in all of the various bracketology as we are now just a little past the halfway point in the season. I've got to ask you because uh, I think people know you're, you're very deep into what you do and spend a lot of time at it, but uh, were you able, you're a big sports fan of all sports, were you able to actually enjoy the Super Bowl a little bit yesterday or were you too wrapped up in watching other video? No, I, I, I enjoyed the Super Bowl. I enjoyed the Super Bowl quite a bit. Uh, I was a little nervous, but I'd never lost faith. I knew that we needed a, a stop there when we threw the second interception and um, they had the ball with like a 10-point lead and, and nine minutes to go, something like that. So I think pretty quickly they got a stop. They may have gotten one really quick first down. But after that, to go down and score, to cut it to three, we were in good shape. Um, very, very pleased with how the – the, the team dealt with uh, their their adversity last year, losing that game to the Patriots on a penalty by D Ford, on, you know, just getting in the neutral zone. Uh, really enjoy watching Patrick Mahomes and the this, this speed guys that he's got with Tariq Hill and uh, Hardman and Sammy Watkins and then uh, Kelsey always around the middle. And I thought Damian Williams was the MVP. I thought he was tremendous yesterday. And certainly as a sports fan, you always hope that game is just a really good game because sometimes it just falls flat. Yesterday uh, certainly lived up to what you hope a Super Bowl would be. Yeah, I mean, San Francisco, I watched them very early. I never watched San Francisco, but I watched them very early in the year. And I, I remarked to Lynn as we, were, we, got, we got direct TV and so we got the NFL package this year, the speed of that team and not just the speed of – um, Debo Samuel on the outside with the wide receivers, the Mostert, the, the running back, but the defensive line and Bosa and those guys. And I knew that that was going to be something that the Chiefs would have to figure out. And ultimately, it took them three quarters, but they finally figured out how they could block that, that defensive line and still get the ball down the field. And because other for three quarters, they were just throwing the intermediate passes in the flat and, and the short ones to Kelsey. They had the one 
completion to Sammy Watkins in the first half that got over 20 yards. But other than that, it was an atypical outing offensively for the Chiefs. So believe it or not, I'm sitting there watching this, and I'm going, the Chiefs are stinking on offense, kind of like we did yesterday. <laughs> and, you know, so it, it, no one's immune. I mean, it, it's, sports are really fickle, and it's, it's, um, it's interesting sometimes how certain matchups give you problems. But, I mean, the, the, the deal is the same group last year basically the same group for Tulsa, we go down and make 15 threes and, and blitz them. So, I mean, you just you just can't get too high or too low about the missed shots. You've got to just continue to do what you do, and ultimately the shots will fall if you're going to have a, a successful season. And as a coach, you had to appreciate San Francisco won four games last year and end up in the Super Bowl. And while certainly as you experience, you get, no matter how far you get, you almost had Louisville, and so it was a disappointment until you can look at it back in perspective a little bit. And certainly what a great accomplishment, and a great accomplishment for the 49ers. This yeah, year. yeah, you know, just, um, but they, they do a little something different in the NFL. You know, if you really stink, which they did for a long time, you get a high draft pick. And so every year they were getting a high draft pick, you know. So I don't want to stink because we're not going to get any type draft picks. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get Zion Williamson because you had a bad team. Or Joey Bosa. <laughs> All right, Cincinnati this week. First of all, I wanted to talk about the, the coaching change there. Mick Cronin did a tremendous job there and then left for UCLA. John Brannon comes up from northern Kentucky, just about 30, 40 minutes down the road. And uh, I'm sure that's a guy that you can relate to a little bit. A long time as a Division One assistant and then kind of a, did a great job at a lower-level Division One program. Yeah, I actually coached John my last stop as an assistant coach at Marshall University in 1996-97. He was a senior, uh, a great fifth-year player. He transferred in to play for Billy Donovan. And then uh, my boss, Greg White, took over for Billy Donovan when they went to Florida. Um, John was a very bright. He was, ended up being a Rhodes Scholar candidate, but also a self-made player. He had a funky jump shot, but he could make it. Uh, he was a first-team All-Southern Conference performer as a fifth-year senior. And we've had a relationship since. Uh, he was at VCU with Anthony Grant. Then he was with... Uh, the, uh, Anthony Grant at Alabama. We used to play Alabama almost every year while he was on that staff. Um, uh, we're friends. Uh, he did move from northern Kentucky house to a house uh, in Cincinnati somewhere. But, uh, and that was a, uh, we, we joked about that this summer because he went through the, the coaching change summer from hell. It was, you know, just so many things you have to deal with. And uh, basically, he didn't have to uproot his life because he didn't move out of a, uh, the geographic region. But still, it's a different deal, and it's different boosters. It's, uh, I don't know if he had to get a different doctor and a different lawyer and a different accountant <laughs> and all that. I think he probably could stay there and maybe he could keep his same friends, which is a big deal for me and, and my family. But uh, it's a great opportunity for him. It's a wonderful program, and he's going to do a good job. They struggled early with the coaching change. They lost some games. They probably wouldn't lose if they played them today because he went away from the strictly zone to more of a man-to-man. -man. Obviously, his offensive system is different 
but now they're starting to hit their stride and they're playing really, really good basketball. I just saw his part of his postgame interview after their recent win over Houston this weekend, and, and he mentioned that you know, our players had to make some adjustments to the kind of system that we wanted to run, and we as coaches had to adjust a little bit to what they do best and, and how they best fit into that system, and it seems to be meshing right now. Yeah, and they're, uh, they've, got a, they've got several seniors on that team um, and some really good players. He got a break when he brought this seven foot one kid in from northern Kentucky that transferred with him when he took the job and he was able to play right away and he's a mountain of a man seven foot one big hands he's got a great touch around the basket I think he leads the country in field goal percentage at 68 percent and he would you say uh, maybe Garrett Stutz would be a good comparison for our fans as far as general size and so forth yeah. shooting touch yeah but yeah he plays right around that basket and he's hard to you know, hard to move he's like a a big oak tree when he gets around the basket. So you're going to have to do a great job of denying his touches. And Jamie did that against a six foot eight Igmanu, uh, and, but he'll have to do it now against a guy who's going to be bigger than him. And everybody here, of course, familiar with Jaron Cumberland, and uh, it, they've kind of moved him to point guard, and that's when they they kind of took off, letting him have the ball in his hands a lot and and make plays for him. Well, bit. he's he's one of those guys that. You don't have to run much for him. I mean, he can just sit there and stare you down and make a shot. And if you get too close, he can go by you. And he, he lives at the foul line. And, I mean, that's, that's what we have in this league. I mean, there are guys, obviously, you want to run things to give you the best opportunity to score an easy, uh, non-contested shot early in the, in the shot clock. But after that, you know, it becomes breakdown basketball and you have to move and you have to pass and you have to cut and screen. And ultimately, somebody has to make a play and put the ball in the basket, and he's as good as there is in the league. You know, I think you mentioned Trey Scott's name earlier, Trayvon Scott, and a uh, big 6'8", powerful player. But one of the things that was impressive looking at the stats, he's averaging over two assists a game, which is unusual for a guy his size. Yeah, he's a good player. I and mean, he doesn't shoot the ball great, and I'll say that, and he'll probably make a couple of threes against us. But he, he – is he affects the game with his rebounding, his tenacity, his defense. He's a junkyard dog type kind of guy. And an interesting addition, Javen Cumberland is Jaron's cousin. He transferred from Oakland, fifth-year grad transfer. Uh, what kind of player is he? He's a shooter. And, and, you know, the interesting thing is when the two cousins start passing to one another, if you don't really contest hard, they're going to make that shot. It's, it's uncanny. I've, I've watched them many times. And, if one passes to the other, they make the shot. If another guy passes to him, they may not make it. But it's like every single time as I'm watching, and no, that's not the truth. I'm, I'm being facetious here, but it's amazing the, the confidence they give to one another when they pass the ball to each other. And certainly one of the things that was always typical of Cincinnati under Mick Cronin, he was just a feisty, hard-nosed kind of guy, and they were always that kind of team. It's a different coach and maybe a different personality, but I would think that those uh, tendencies are pretty instilled in these guys' oh, yeah. personalities. Yeah, they're, they're tough. And John, John's going to be uh, – his teams will play hard. And he, he, was a, he did a very fine job at Northern Kentucky. Uh, I forget what regional we were in, but they played – 
someone. They played Kentucky when played we were Kentucky, at uh, when we were at Indy, and we played Dayton. Yeah, and, and we would have played them had they won, and they stuck right with Kentucky for a long time. But I was able to watch his team up close and personal, and was very impressed. I had never seen you until Winthrop played Tennessee right after we played down in uh, in Greensboro that year. And I had it was kind of the same thing, watching John Brandon in Northern Kentucky play Kentucky. I thought, this guy can coach, and this is a, a really good team. Here. Yeah, we had a good team that year and could have won that game. But, again, just couldn't make a shot down the stretch, man. We needed <laughs> one shot to go in. We'd have won that game. but And then we would have been playing the Shockers see who goes to the Sweet 16. But it all worked out. I, th- I think it did very well. We'll come back to close things out with Greg Marshall from AJ's Sports Grill at the end. Welcome back to our final segment of the Greg Marshall Show. And uh, just to, re- yeah, that's good. Thank you. Just a reminder, Cincinnati here on Thursday, that's a 6 o'clock tip-off, so don't be an hour late to the game because that's a little bit of an unusual time on a weeknight, but it also gets you home a little earlier if you have to work the next day. But 6 o'clock tip-off at Coke Arena on Thursday for Cincinnati, and that certainly is the, the focus of the coaching staff and the team right now. But the Shockers at Houston on Sunday... And I will just tell you, if you did not see it in the Cincinnati-Houston game on Saturday, Dijon Giroux of Houston, on a loose ball situation, bit Cincinnati's Keith Williams in the leg. That's one I've never seen. Mike, I remember Mike Tyson biting off Vander Holyfield's ear, but I've never seen it in a basketball game. And he has received a one-game suspension, but they have a midweek game against Tulane. So, of course, he'll be back for Sunday's game with the Shockers, <laughs> as you would have anticipated. I did want to ask you, this will be the first team that you have played twice this year. And uh, obviously, a coach is always anxious to see how his team assimilates a scouting report and follows it and so forth. Is it kind of an additional thing to see what they remember and how they adjust to what went on the first time you play an opponent? Well, yeah, you've, we, we got it handed to us the other day. We were down 22 at one point. Uh, and that, would, that team just came out and was tougher and more physical, more aggressive. Uh, we didn't shoot it well, and we, we had nothing to, to fall back on. So, yeah, we definitely need to do – much better and uh, I think playing them one time will certainly we have their attention and and there'll be no surprises but um, I don't know about the other thing we've got to just get make sure we've got our rabies shots <laughs> you know and also this is a, as you mentioned this is a tough stretch coming up and this week is a tough week but it's also certainly a a week of opportunity. Those are two teams right above you in the conference race. A couple of wins this week, and you could be one of the bad boys again real quickly. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it just That's how close it is. It's a, it's a very tight league in, at the top. And um, had we won the Tulsa game, which we did not, we would be a half game out basically in a, in a four-way tie for first. But you've been around this a long time. It's still a long way to go. And, and just when you think, you think you kind of anticipate how things are going to happen. Something will happen that nobody saw coming. And yeah, the, like, like I said, the, the bottom of the league can, can bite anyone. I think Houston's only loss prior to losing to Cincinnati uh, on Saturday was against Tulane, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, 
Cincinnati Thursday at Houston on Sunday. I did want to ask you, because I haven't had this come up, but uh, we're pretty deep into the season now. Just wondered what you have heard about Jaden Michael, your your one signee from November, and how yeah. he's doing. Well, he's doing really well. Unfortunately, he had his shoulder dislocated last Ooh. week. So uh, I don't know if there's going to be type surgery or they're going to rehab. But it, So we've got a shoulder situation now that he's dealing with. But prior to that... He had hit a couple of game winners and was playing quite well. And certainly your recruiting at the moment focused more on the, the future, but uh, always keeping your eyes open because you just never know what's going to go. Absolutely. you got to be prepared. So, you know, we're out there. Guys are out there seeing guys. Um, but uh, it, right now we don't have any scholarships for, for 2020. Uh, hope, hopefully that doesn't change, but it could. And, you know, you've got to be prepared for that. But we're certainly beating the bushes early and often for – 2021 all right coach thank you shocker head coach greg marshall we are here monday nights from six to seven at aj sports grill at the alley and again the schedule this week cincinnati here on thursday night at six o'clock the shockers at houston sunday afternoon at two o'clock thanks for being with us appreciate all of you coming out and attending on monday nights and cheering us on and uh, hopefully a good week ahead for the shockers thanks for joining us on the greg marshall show Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.